Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Mornings with Carmen. It is a new year. We have new music. That is our new intro. Uh, I would encourage you to check out the words to the entire song um, because I'll just uh, tell you if I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk like a lion. I am going to uh, enter into every single day recognizing that the enemy of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ thinks he's got a foothold in this world and thinks he um, has a uh, some power over me and those around me, and I am in the world to uh, bear testimony and witness to the fact that the enemy is wrong, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of every square inch and of all of those who will be saved, and to invite other people every single day in every place that I uh, have the privilege of setting my foot or broadcasting my voice, to invite other people into that kingdom reality. Um, So that is what I am in the world to do. I hope you know what you are in the world to do. What in the world are you in the world to do? If you don't yet know, let me invite you to get into the Word of God before you get into the world, right? Because the world is going to make you worldly, and the Word is going to make you wordly. I don't really know if that's a word, but um, more like Christ, who is the Word of God. And so um, be conformed more and more to the image of who Christ is. Get yourself into the Word of God before you set foot in the world that God so loves. Um, And then when you set foot in that world that God so loves, do so like a lion. Do so like an ambassador of the kingdom, um, taking back territory that the enemy thinks, the enemy imagines uh, he has reign and sovereignty over. So it starts with us. It starts with the Christian individual. But it then emanates out from us into the world like light, uh, like power, through words, through deeds, through our very presence in places where we either, you know, people either receive us as the very aroma of Christ, which is a positive thing, or the stink of Christ, because to them it's death, right? It's the dividing line. And so if people aren't responding to you um, as if you are a representative of a dividing line, um then let me encourage you to consider how you are walking in the world. And are you walking in the world like a lion? Because that's who we are. That's who we are as, as Christians. Um, okay, up next, I have got Bill English in the house. Um, quick reminder of what we're doing here every day, bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the realities in which we now live, looking around, surveying the headline news of the day, Um, applying the mind of Christ, and then preparing ourselves to enter into the conversations of the day in ways that honor Jesus. And so whatever you're facing today, let me remind you that you are facing it in a day of the Lord, and you are facing it in a year of the Lord. Uh, The Chinese are going to celebrate 2020 as the year of the rat. I am going to be living 2020 as the year of the Lord. Anno Domini. Uh, this is this is the year of the Lord, and so let us give him today as we walk in it. We'll be right back. 
Joining me now from BibleAndBusiness.com, Bill English. Welcome back, sir. Hey, good to be back. How are you doing? Did you have good, uh, good holidays? Good I'm Christmas, full of words today, man. I'm so full of words. I have like, you know, 10 days of words all piled up. Oh, my. I know. I know. <laughs> you know what? You know, and in, in, so in the DSM-5 category, the DSM Diagnostic. DSM-5. No, DSM <laughs> D- Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Oh. When you have 10 days of words backed up in your system, what would we call that? Is it an anxiety <laughs> disorder, a mood disorder? A, a, a... We are doing a bit of psychoanalysis on the show Yes, today? we are, actually, Wait. yes. And I'm licensed to do this. Thank oh, you very that, much. that's good. That's good. <laughs> I mean, he knows what the letters stand for, so I feel pretty good about that. Get I mean, on the couch, Carmen. Just get on the couch well, we'll just get on for the, the next 15 this is, minutes. This is when I feel like I should tell Bill what some people call me. Let's start with your mother. <laughs> well, when my mother calls me Carmen, and sometimes Carmen Suzette, if, if Suzette. I'm naughty. Yeah. But um, others call me the SWMBO. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm just going to leave that, that hanging out there and see S-W-M-B-O. if anybody on Zip Whip, anybody who texts in knows what the SWMBO means and stands for. And I don't know if so, I hope you have some, I will create a prize for you. If you know what the acronym SWMBO means, uh, text me at 877 W is woman. W has to be woman. S-W-M. No. I'll give you this. The W is who. Oh, oh! I, th- I thought it was going to be woman. Okay. Yeah. So right. there you go. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about your latest post at Someone Bible who? and okay. at Bible. Mm, I'm sorry. Well, it might be she who. Anyway. She who. All right. Um. So uh, now I've given away two of the words. I just I'm obviously no good at keeping secrets or anything else. So, um, so uh, you have a post that I was intrigued by at BibleandBusiness.com entitled "I Can't Marry Into This." It's really based on um, a number of conversations that you have had right. as people are considering marriage with someone whose family has a family business and this person Correct. is engaged in that. Correct. So why don't you just tell tell us this is a story. People like stories, so tell us a story today. So this is a compilation of three different calls. It's uh, The story itself is somewhat fictitious, but it has truthful elements from three different real-life scenarios. So I, I don't know what you would call that, a, a do- documentary or what, whatever it's called. Uh, but the, the the story is basically this: uh, a young person, uh, let's let's just say a, a guy is dating a gal, and the gal's father owns a family business, and the gal works in the family business. Okay, and they're dating, and they're falling in love, and all is great until the family business starts to enter into their relationship in a dysfunctional way because the family business is too enmeshed in the family system to begin with. And so what happens is, for example, maybe dad will have uh, promised daughter uh, a raise at the end of the year and then doesn't give her the raise because he doesn't think she really earned it. And uh, and the daughter's trying to please dad, and yet she's trying to please now her maybe uh, boyfriend or fiance, and these and and the dysfunction in the family and the family business starts to bleed into their relationship, and the guy finally looks at the gal and says, you know, I. This this is this is too much, and I can't marry into this. I literally have one of the three people I was talking to. She said to me, "I I can't marry this," and so um, they actually lose the relationship because the family business is too dysfunctional and too enmeshed in the overall system. That's so that's, that's that's the story. Yeah, and so let's talk about that. Um, you know, when I'm marrying a person. 
Um, I am marrying into a family. I am marrying into um, all of the people who come with the person. I mean, um, you know, when I married Jim, I married all Jim's people. And Jim came with a lot of people. And some of the challenges related to that are not things you can um, forecast. And, And so, you know, when you make that commitment, that covenant to walk down that aisle, you are you are making a covenant commitment to all that comes with that person. And so when we're talking about a family business, some of what comes with that is is pretty complex. Very complex. When you are marrying somebody who isn't in a family business, you are not marrying uh, into, you, you know, how do I say it? Your father-in-law can't control your compensation, right? Your father-in-law can't control uh, the uh, insurance that you get or or when you can take a vacation or things like that. Uh, but when you are marrying into a family business, a lot of times the family business can control a lot of what you would normally think is unique and special just to you and your mate. And so that's, that's why I, I, I talk about this and I say it's a package decision. When you marry somebody who is in a family business, you're marrying that business as well as that person. And if that business isn't healthy, if the family isn't healthy, that you're going to be marrying into something that will be with you for the rest of your life and it will dog you for the rest of your life. And it's a fair question to ask, can I really marry all of this? Because that's what you're doing. So we have um, one one person who has texted in an answer to SWMBO. Oh, what is it? This person, <laughs> this would also be kind of accurate of me, but it's not technically what it, <clears throat> well, it's not its original meaning. But um, this person says, is it she who minds the business of others? <laughs> oh, is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what it is, but that's what someone has texted in that they, oh, oh. Let me just go ahead and say Oscar um, wins the prize. Oscar, I'm going to I'm going to um, you say no. He says no prize necessary, but he does know what it stands for. And shall you, I say it as we go to break or shall I say when we come back, I am going to tell you uh, that Oscar is correct in his answer. He has guessed correctly what SWMBO stands for as applied to me. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If I- Oh, gosh, I got people so thinking about what SWMBO uh, stands for that um, they got distracted and they missed part of our conversation. I am talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. You can go to BibleandBusiness.com and actually find the article that we were discussing. I can't marry into this. And then um, and then as I was reading the text messages, I said that Oscar was the first to give us the right answer to the acronym as people apply it to me, although people have certainly given much better answers as well. Um, she who must be obeyed is actually what it stands for. I have a sweatshirt that says SWMBO from some friends of mine who consider me the she who must be obeyed. I know. I know. It's troublesome to consider, Bill. That's what you're thinking right now. And you know, the, first, I, the I, first person, we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to send a, a, a gift of some kind, a prize of some kind to Kathy um, because Kathy is the one who guessed it first. Oscar is our is our backup winner, but Oscar's already said that he doesn't need a prize. So there you go. There you go. 
She who must be obeyed. I know it's tr- it's it's problematic, really, for a Christian. I, I know. I, uh, I I'm not going to go there because I I don't <laughs> think there's anything I can do right now or say where I land in a good spot. So. <laughs> so good. Okay. So now um now for the surprise segment. Okay, the surprise segment. So so sometimes I just feel like you know we should just have like a conversation for which you know only one of us has prepared. <laughs> Does that, well, does that you know, seem unreasonable? You, well, you must be obeyed. It's your show. Oh, nice. There you go. Don't so. say that. That sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so here's what I was thinking. So, you know, it's the start of this new year, and um, you, you wear a business hat a lot of the times. And do. so you probably do a lot of forecasting with businesses and with people in business and others in the community. And when we... It's raining where I live today. We talk a lot about forecasting related to the weather. I do think we talk about forecasting when when we have financial conversations. Like I feel like in the culture, there's a lot of forecasting related to that. I'm wondering if there are other kinds of forecasting that um, that you engage in. Uh, other kinds of forecasting besides financial or weather-related forecasting. You know, um, the one thing I'm trying to do this year in terms of a forecast is to figure out how to do podcasts out of my basement. In terms mm. of forecasting, I'm trying to make Bible and business a little bit more influential. And, uh, I, you know, I can do this with running businesses that I have, but when it comes to a startup, I really have um, a uh, problem. It's a fog for me to do it for myself as opposed to doing it for somebody else. I can do it for somebody else all day long, but doing it for myself is hard. But other kinds of forecasting, you know, there, okay, here's here's something. If you're a small business owner, there's all kinds of forecasts out there. You go out and look up ec- uh, leading economic indicator calendars. There's hmm. calendars out there that will tell you when all the leading economic indicator data will be published, either weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. And, uh, you know, Bloomberg has them and and Fox Business has them and CNN Business has them and all of them have these calendars out there. Yeah, you you can always go out and get these calendars and know when the various uh, financial and economic uh, forecasts and results are going to be published. So that's that's one type of thing that people could look at. I wonder if we could make one for um, leading evangelical indication calendar. You like know, a revival forecast. What is, what, how do you measure success in church? I think it's by oh, prayer. Oh, that's a good question. I that's think it's question. by prayer. I, mm. I, think, I think the number one, you know, when Raleigh Washington started his church in Chicago, he said, he said the number one thing I'm going to measure is prayer. How well we pray. Everything else is secondary. And I, I just wonder if there aren't some other churches, uh, mine included, who could take up that mantle. So uh, Jim and I went out to dinner late on New Year's Eve, and uh, and we have a practice on New Year's Eve of stopping at this one particular church because they have this dedicated chapel space that's always open. It's it's you can count on it always being open, and it's it's very small. I mean the the church is very large, the chapel is very small. Okay, and we like to go there on New Year's Eve and just spend some time in the chapel praying. And what's interesting is we've been doing this for a number of years, and we're we're always only ever, I mean, we're the only people in there yeah. ever. Yeah. Now, there are thousands of people in this con- from this congregation actually in a service of prayer, uh, praying in the new year together in their big sanctuary. Uh-huh. But we're the only people in the chapel, which I always find kind of fascinating. And then as we were driving home from there, um, it was not quite uh, midnight. 
and the the parking lots of churches praying in the new year um they were packed they were at capacity there were police officers you know managing traffic in and out of parking lots at 11 uh you know right at 11 11:15 on new year's eve um you know in the, in the 40 minute drive home there were probably a dozen churches packed to the gills for these praying in the new year services and i got to tell you i'm forecasting revival based on that i'm forecasting revival based on um, the the things that are happening around the globe in terms of the kingdom's advance and just the, the movement of of God that is uh, that is afoot and the rising persecution of Christians, I'm looking at all of that and I am saying to myself, we I'm forecasting revival. You know, I hope you're right. Well, you can pray it in with me, man. Yeah, you know, I I, I do pray for revival on a regular basis. Um, my sense is that we are in for some very tough times. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't know if revival is part of that or not. So, Yeah. So, I'm sorry to be um, Debbie Downer. I'm not no, trying to throw okay. cold you water be, on it. But, okay, you know, you know I, I get it. I No, I mean, well, I think that when we, it's a little bit for me about discerning the, the signs of the times. And so when, um, when we look at what the Bible says, what God reveals, what God promises about, um, you know, ultimately the end times. And we recognize that no matter how far off that is, every day we're, we're certainly one day closer to it. Um, and all of the places in Scripture that encourage us to look up and be anticipatory um, and, and expecting Christ's return, um, I think that there, you know, there is this compelling uh, line that runs through the scriptures to, you know, that God's people need to be the people who are looking toward the horizon, yeah. not just the people yeah. looking at the plotting of the feet. Right. So. Yeah, to- no, I totally agree. And I, I will continue to pray for revival with you, and I will continue to pray that God cleans out his church in America. I'm mm-hmm. just, I just suspect that cleaning out uh, peace and that revival peace are going to involve some very difficult times, which is fine. Which is fine. Right. If, if you have a good theology of suffering, which most Christians mm. don't have, if you have a good theology of suffering, then you know that suffering is what leads to perseverance, a la James 1, and, and the, the extension and the maturation of your faith and those kinds of things. Uh, but boy, it's not a lot of fun. No, and I think that even when you just say a phrase like a good theology of suffering— there are um, there are certainly people who are going to hear that and be you know be confused. Yeah, how could because, suffering ever be good? Well, how could how could Good Friday be good? I mean, it, this yeah. is the reality of the cross. Yeah, it is the reality of the cross. This is the cold, brutish world. We look towards a home in heaven where all things are made right and made good, and we don't have pain and we don't have suffering and all those kinds of things. But we can't. We're not going to get all of what heaven is here on earth. We're going to get some of it. But we're not going to get all of it. And so we are going to deal with some of the effects of sin and the depravity of sin and all that on this earth until we die. Mm. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. No, I mean, right. I mean, we, that's a, I say that in, in all sincerity and with deep gratitude. Like, right, we, we need to be people who are very sober as we yes. enter into 2020. Yes. The horizon is hope-filled and the future is bright. But between here and there... You know, there is the pilgrim's journey, and it is through um, through difficult places and difficult spaces. And the reality of the new year um, is going to include 
periods and paths of suffering for each and every one of us. So, yes. um, Bill, you and I probably needed to leave it right there today. That's Bill English. You guys can check out what he's doing at BibleInBusiness.com. Maybe there's somebody out there who says, hey, I know how to launch a podcast from your basement. Um, get, get in touch with Bill. There yeah, you go. Actually, you that need would some be very helpful. And help. That would yeah. be very helpful. I love it. All, All right, right, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. You bet. Thanks. So in response to um, a question that I asked at the beginning of the first hour in terms of practices that people um, are engaged in, uh, we have heard from Lori here. I love this. Lori says, uh, keep a blessing jar, put slips of paper in it um, that each have a gift or an opportunity that God has given me throughout the year. And each New Year's Day, I sit down and I read through the slips and I thank God for all that he has done. And then I pray for a theme for the new year. This year's theme is steady on, meaning to keep doing what I started doing in 2019, developing gifts used for the first time, as well as strengthening friendships created. I love that. I love that. What, um, what are some of your practices at the threshold moving from one year to another. Let me hear from you. You can always text me at 877-933-2484 or email me Carmen at myfaithradio.com. I'm really excited about the conversation that we've got planned next. Um, Have you ever wondered what it's like to live with autism or what it's like to live with Tourette syndrome? Um, And what is it like to raise a child uh, who is on the spectrum? One in every 59 children uh, globally is now autistic. What does it look like for us to learn to relate to them? Um, Ryan uh, Vogelzang is just such a man. And his mom, Gwen, is just such a parent. And they are going to be here next to talk about life and a book that they have written together entitled, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry, uh, is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. A few years back, three questions came from different people in the span of a month. Question number one. Had you been a German Christian during World War II, would you have taken a stand against Hitler? Question number two. Had you lived in the South during the civil rights conflict, would you have taken a stand against racism? And question number three. When your grandchildren discover you lived during a day in which 1.75 billion people were poor and 1 billion were hungry, how will they judge your response? I did not mind the first two questions. Those choices were not mine. But the third question has kept me awake at night. We are given an opportunity to make a big difference during a difficult time. We are created by God to do great works, and He invites us to outlive our lives, not just in heaven, but here on earth. This is Max Locato. I'm thrilled to introduce to you today Gwen and Rylan Vogelzang. They are the co-authors of a book entitled, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. You can, you're going to also want to write down that website, um, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry.com. Gwen and Rylan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Ryland, let me let me start with you. How how old are you? Um, 
I'm 12. So, Ryland, we we ordinarily um, do not have guests who are as young as you are, and it's really unusual for us to have an author on the show um, who is as young as you are. So I would like uh, to lead off with a question to you. What do you wish, everybody listening right now, what do you wish they knew about you? Well, um, what, um, (laughs) like, it's just not to bully people who make weird sounds, like, like, dress, you know, ticks. So, um, one of the things you have just shared with us, Rylan, and I appreciate your willingness to do that, is that um, you have um, a condition called Tourette syndrome, and that means that there are times that you say things uh, verbally um, that might be a surprise to other people in terms of the way that those things fit into a conversation um, or into an experience together. So. Gwen, um, let me just ask the same question of you. What do you wish everyone uh, who's listening, what do you wish everyone knew about raising a child who has what I might describe as an identifiable set of special abilities? Uh, You know, that's interesting because Rylan has autism and Tourette's, and some days you would never know either. Um, He just looks like a typically functioning kiddo. And then other days you might notice those things. Um, The more you talk to him, you might notice those things. So a lot of times we consider Ryland's special abilities to be um, visual and noticeable. And then other days, not so much. So um, we kind of fit into this really unique circumstance that a lot of families do who have what you might call invisible disabilities. Um, And in our house, we call disabilities special abilities because this book has really taught us to look at all humans as having their own special abilities um, and not using those as a negative criteria. So I would want people to know about Rylan that um, he is the exact way God wanted him to be, and we do not expect him to fit into any mold. And uh, if you don't expect him to fit into a stereotypical mold, you will fall in love with him um, instantly upon meeting him because he has so many gifts in this world. And uh, now that we are recognizing him for his gifts first, he's really starting to thrive in those gifts. So one of the things that you share at the very outset of the book, and again, the book is If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. The website is uh, exactly that same thing. If I squeeze your head, I'm sorry. dot com. Gwen, one of the things that you share uh, at the opening of the book is the day you met Rylan, um, and so that's a part of this story as well. Um, so tell us about the day you met Rylan, and then maybe Rylan could tell us about the title of the book. Yeah. So Rylan um, and his sister Reagan were both adopted domestically, and. My husband and I had tried for years uh, to get pregnant and had some infertility issues, but ultimately we decided um, that God was calling us towards adoption, and we stopped the fertility journey. Um, I think God just knew that these kiddos were out there waiting for us. So Ryland was um, with a family who was taking really good care of him, and 
we drove from our home in Denver. We just moved to Grand Rapids from Denver, Colorado. And he was standing in the drive. Well, he was, he wasn't standing. He was three weeks old, but he was in the driveway with uh, his cradle care provider. And we walked up the driveway, my husband and I, a family of two and took him home and Overnight, we were a family of three. So, Rylan came as an unexpected gift. Um, he was three weeks old when we found out about him, and overnight, we became his parents. So, I'm going to read a paragraph um, from early in the book. Again, the book is, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. This paragraph says, that instant, that instant that uh, he became a part of your family, that instant altered who our family would become. Our son would unveil truths we didn't know to be true, love we had, not, we had yet to offer, and growth we could not have anticipated. It was the beginning of a long journey of patience, joy, advocacy, belly laughing, heartache, and faith. That day we were introduced to a healthy, delicious, egg-shaped, headed baby, and I vowed to be his mama bird. We've stumbled through 12 years of learning about this complicated human we're raising, our son. He is joy incarnate. Even through confusing diagnoses after confusing diagnoses, uh, and we are fierce in our determination to advocate for him and with him. Ryland's labels of autism and Tourette syndrome do not define him, but they do influence how we journey as a family. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask uh, Ryland to share with us about the title of the book, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry, and why it's not entitled... Um, Pokemon are real even if your mom says they aren't. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. For those of you who listen to Mornings with Carmen on a regular basis, you know that my family is, um, is comprised of a number of people with very special abilities. Uh, I've got a 16-year-old... Um, who is on the spectrum as well as a 14-year-old with Apert syndrome and a three-year-old grandbaby uh, who is nonverbal autistic. And so when I um, laid hands on this book, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry, I immediately went to the website, uh, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry.com, and signed up to be a part of the community. There's also a downloadable curriculum guide. Um, I really, it, it's going to be difficult for me to give you the website enough times today because I really want you um, to, to go. If you are an educator, if you are a parent or a grandparent, um, if you are friends with a person who uh, has a young person in their family who uh, has a spectrum dis- disorder of any kind, which those of us who have individuals in our family like this, we know these are special abilities. These are people who see and feel things that we do not yet see and feel, and we want to find ways um, into the world that they know that is yet a mystery to us. And so Ryland is here with us today. Uh, Ryland Vogelzang, he is an author. His mama bird is here as well. Her name is Gwen. They have co-authored a book, If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. And it begins with illustrations um, by Ryland. So Ryland, why don't you first tell us about the title of the book? Well, um, maybe my mom could explain how the book became sure let's do that well, all right Gwen why don't you first tell okay first tell her about the title did you want that title no I, <laughs> I want it 
it to be like something else about my Tourette's, but like mom said, I, I thought people would not want to buy it because of like, oh no, this freeze my head. Ah! <laughs> Rylan thought the title would make people not want to buy the book because they would be afraid that he would squeeze their heads. Is that right, buddy? <clears throat> Except that um, if we read the book, then we know we want that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, right. If I part of his inner circle, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like there's a love there that is fierce. Yes. Fierce. Yeah. So Gwen. The, the title of the book, um, when Rylan has a need to express his joy, his mm-hmm. excitement, his nervousness, he squeezes things. And if you are part of Rylan's inner circle, which it doesn't take much to be part of Rylan's inner circle, it's usually your head that yeah. gets squeezed, um, and that's just been a defining characteristic of his since uh, since he was like one. We can go back and we have picture after picture of him just squeezing people's heads. So, what would a better title be than "If I squeeze your head, I'm sorry"? Because he's always sorry that he squeezes your head when we explain to him that he shouldn't be squeezing heads. So, well, I don't want to use the title because it was kind of. You know, weird. The Pokemon one. No, it was um, we, you know, we have most. Oh yeah. Tell tell her the title. I don't remember what you said. All right, let's keep going. So <laughs> you are gonna explain the story. Oh, okay. Rylan apparently is gonna take over your interview, Carmen. It's totally fine. This is what our format is conversational, and this is how conversations happen. So I'm I'm happy for this to unfold any way. Uh, that it does. Why don't you tell us how the book came to be? Because it really is, it's magnificent. It is. So we did an art show in Colorado as a part of our homeschooling curriculum. We just did a semester of homeschooling. And he interviewed an entrepreneur who owned a coffee shop near our house that we had frequented. And she offered Rylan the chance to do an art show in her cafe because he said that day that he wanted to be an artist. Um, And what did you want the art show to be about? Pokemon. Pokemon. So I knew, given the amount of time that was going to go into this process, because I I tend to do things all out when it comes to Rylan, um, that I didn't want to focus on Pokemon. So we chose to do art based on what it feels like to live in his brain. And the evolution of that, two years later, has turned into this book, which is completely a God thing. I had no intention of publishing a book. But it just got into the right hands at the right time, and it was so influential to, and like you said before, Carmen, everyone. I mean, if you're a teacher, it was influential to his teachers because it fast-tracked their ability to understand him. It was influential to other people who have autism and Tourette's because many people who have those diagnoses aren't able to, um, you know, be that intuitive about describing what it feels like to be them. Um, It spoke to parents of kids who have different special abilities, especially kiddos who are nonverbal, who who can't explain what it feels like to be them. Um, So the book just really resonated, or the art show resonated with so many people. Um, And long story short, we kept working on it, and it uh, turned into what what is now available on Amazon for the whole world to read, which... We couldn't have predicted, but we are so excited. Um, And the stories that we're hearing of people reading it and gifting it and using it in classrooms have just been amazing. So long story short, that's how the book came to be. 
It is totally extraordinary. And let me just go ahead and say, Rylan, that when um, when your Dragon series book is available, I would like for you to come back and talk about that as well. <laughs> well, so, well, like my mom you, said, maybe it won't be both. <laughs> well, like my mom said, maybe it won't be published. <laughs> maybe. I feel that about most of the things I write. Maybe it will be published and maybe, maybe it will not. Maybe. Um, thank you both so very much. Um, I am just delighted to start this conversation with you today. Uh, and I look forward to um, continued fellowship. This is this book is a, a genuine gift. It is um, it's a treasure to those of us who have uh, people in our lives, particularly little people, my my three year old granddaughter Emma, um, this is going to change the way that I see her and begin to imagine what she is thinking and feeling, and maybe how to begin engaging with her. I loved the part about mm. being the caboose, like why mm. why you want to be last in line so that then nobody can be touching your back. Like I, the insight and the wisdom that you provide, um, Rylan, in this book through your artwork and then through the conversations you have with your mom, um, it is a true gift. And I hope that you know that what you have given the rest of us is a real gift. Yeah. Um, can I tell you the title of my book that I wanted it to be? Yes, absolutely. Please. Um, it would, Well, this is what I wanted it to be. Squeak, squeak, I'm a mouse. Sorry, I have to write this one. <laughs> squeak, squeak, I'm a mouse. Sorry, I have Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we should just have that be the subhead. The real title, the working title anyway, is If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry. The website is If I Squeeze Your Head, I'm Sorry.com. Join us there in community with Rylan and Gwen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thank you. Okay, um, I regret that I did not have enough time for Rylan to sing all of us the Pokemon theme song, which is the way he wanted to end the segment. And so um, we look forward to having the opportunity to talk with him again. The new year is upon us, and uh, we are going to take time this year to talk with more and more friends like Gwen and Rylan. Uh, We just talked last week, if you missed it, um, remind me of uh, Anna, Grace Anna Sings. We we talked with them. I'm just thinking that it was like last Monday, like the yeah, 23rd. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, the Monday before Christmas. The Monday the before 23rd. Christmas, so the yeah. 23rd. Um, we are going to have more of these conversations because increasingly I recognize um, our need to learn how to communicate with those who are differently abled and have very special abilities. So just look forward to that this year as I look for more and more of those stories. Again, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.